Well, I grew up in the sport, grew up around it. My dad raced, you know. And Ralph Earnhardt proved that it can run almost as fast. I came from the hard working side of the track type racing. And they're four wide. A lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice. It's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. using Wesley's thought for the spot. Dale Jr. down low. There's no excuse for hard work or lack thereof. He worked, he worked hard. That was the hardest, hardest race I ever drove. I'm putting in work, work. The Exalted Studio. The download starts now. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. With me as usual is Mike Davis and Matthew Dillner. Matthew is killing it with these intros, Mike. I feel like I want to whoop somebody's ass. Yeah! Man, there's a, I feel fired up. I am too. I mean, and I mean, there's a little chills. I, I was thinking chills. there might be one of these days where we don't come off an intro and brag about the intro, but it just keeps getting better. I was kind of hoping that. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, quit being <laughs> he awesome. Keep, he keeps bringing it. Man, that was, uh, had a little, it felt like very Earnhardt y. Very Earnhardt y. There's a lot of Earnhardt in there. I mean, an Earnhardt feeling is somebody that's like, you feel like you could go whoop somebody's ass. Yeah. You feel like you may go plow a field. You may just uh, just you know conquer the day. That's how I feel hard work. now. I hard feel work. Like that. Hard work. Hard well, work. My man Matthew, he's working hard on this stuff, and our show is just getting better and better. We got another good one on deck for today. Are you ready? I'm pumped. Let's do this. All right, let's go. Dale, we're back in the Exalted Studio. I don't know how, where you watched the race this weekend. I watched it bits and pieces. I know that there were a couple things that uh, came out of the weekend that I thought was interesting. I think we need to talk about that. I'm actually just wanting to hear your opinion on things. I wasn't tied to Twitter, and, and I know you were tweeting stuff off. I know that you were coming down supporting Kyle Busch yesterday, and I know that Kyle was in the news again, and I want to talk about that. I also want to get your take on these rule changes and try to make sure I'm understanding things right based off of the qualifying. There was 13 cars that didn't pass. First and foremost, Kyle. Talk to me about Kyle. Because you are in an interesting position. You are a TV man now, and you're also a driver. So here's where that world kind of clashes a little bit because Kyle Busch, if I got everything right, he parked his car after the race. And he didn't do a post-race interview. Now, if you hear Kyle Busch talk about it, he said, look, I was there. If TV wasn't there ready to go, then I'm, do- I'm gone. I'm under no obligation. I was there. MRN got me. TV didn't get me. And then there's other people that would say, but no, you, you were, uh, you're obligated to give a, an interview. Where do you fall on this? I know exactly what was going on with Kyle. He had gotten stopped at the entry to pit road because of a loose lug nut. He is hundreds of yards from where all the other cars are positioned at the end of the race. Media and TV is going to be around the top finishers over where those cars are stationed, and Kyle is not there. So he has to get out of his car, and if he wanted to do an interview uh, badly, you know, he could have he could have sought, uh, sought after a TV crew, but no driver ever does that. Uh, we, you know, our thought is to get with our crew chief, sort of talk about the finish of the race, make sure we're on the same page before we go change our clothes and, and hit the road and go home, right? There's this little conversation that you have with the crew chief before you leave that's sort of a, okay, did you see it the way I saw it? All right, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll see you later. Good job. Maybe you talk to you guys a little bit. 
So I didn't have a problem with, once I heard Kyle's side of it, I didn't really have a problem with what happened there. The other thing, too, is you, you mentioned about being a TV guy now and having to see things a little bit differently, look look at things through a different lens. I'm sort of in the uh, transition there, and I'm not real sure where I land on some things or how I'll feel about some things in the future. But what I've tried to do is take my feelings for the drivers or my personal feelings for some of the drivers, maybe start from scratch. There's some drivers that I, I like a lot, got along with all the time. There's some guys that maybe I don't have the best history with. Uh, there's some guys that maybe I've gotten to know better. Me and Kyle are actually pretty decent friends at this particular point. We had a rough, rough past for sure. You did. But we've gotten, we've gotten to where we both uh, are much nicer people to each other, I'm, you know, which I'm thankful for. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But there's other drivers, though, that I, I, that I didn't end on great terms with as far as my driving career. What I've tried to do is take some of that emotion out of it and call it as I see it. I just feel like that if a broadcaster has a bad opinion of a driver, he can't let that come out in how he's calling the race. And he can't try to, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to try to influence the viewers on who's a good guy and who's a bad guy and who I think you should like and not like. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll change my opinion on that and call it a little bit differently down the road. But, you know, if I think a guy's an asshole, I'll just say, hey, I think he's an asshole. But I don't think that's good habits for a broadcaster. Um, you kind of problems. Yeah, you're supposed to kind of call it down the middle. So that's been challenging for me is to try to take out some of that emotion. And, uh, you know, if I have a grudge with a guy, putting that on the side and really saying, hey, all right, this guy deserves this praise or this guy, you know, this guy, you know, did a good job even though maybe I don't like the guy. And I'm sure I'll face a lot of that as I go forward. It'll be even in, more interesting if I ever had the chance to interview some of these guys. I may get tasked to sit down with some guys that maybe I don't have the best relationship with just to is- interview them for a pre-race piece or something like that. You never Because know. you were assigned it right. uh, by your boss. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be pretty interesting. Might also present opportunities to make the situation right, you know? But why did you feel so compelled then to go out and, and defend Kyle? What was it that Kyle did, or what this was people saying about Kyle that made you want to jump in? So, when I was a driver, I looked at things completely different. I might not have the same opinion about what I saw Kyle doing on Twitter. After the race, Kyle went on Twitter, and he was talking to his fans, and he was talking to his his haters, you know? And it seems to me that I really, I mean, it was entertaining for me, and I don't know if I would have that same feeling as a driver. If I was competing against him, I don't know if I would enjoy it, like it, not like it. I don't know if I'd have the same ur- urge to voice my opinion about it. But the one thing that I've learned over the last several years, even before I quit driving, was the sport needs people like Kyle. Even if you don't like the guy, the sport needs all kinds of personalities. And we can't have 40 heroes out there racing. We can't have 40 Captain Americas out there competing against each other. you got to have a Batman you got to have a Robin, you got to have a Superman, you got to have a Joker. You got to have all of that to create storylines and create rivalries and you know and he brings so much to the table from a from a uh, for reporters and for broadcasters. He makes he makes sto- uh, moments. You know, one, one of the things that my new boss Sam Flood says that we should all try to do is make moments. And when I when I think of Kyle Busch, he makes moments. And he creates he creates content and things for us to talk about, whether he's winning, whether he's frustrated over finishing second, uh, whether he's doing something goofy on social media, whatever it is. I mean, the guy's really gotten more 
active about, you know, it used to just be all negative press about Kyle, even when he was winning. It was, well, you know, he didn't do this right, or well, he had a bad attitude about this. And he, and he, you know, it used to be more negative press. And now it's kind of tides changing a little bit. He's come out of his shell. He's being a little more open on social media. He's showing people what his life's like, sharing his family life and so forth. So I see, uh, I see that as a positive for the sport. It, it is though. It's. I mean, I, I get all that's positive. Yeah. Is it positive to to not go do post race interviews for the I, viewing audience at home? I think if he did turn down the interview, if he said I ain't talking, or he walked away from a reporter with a with a microphone going, Kyle, you got a minute? I think that, that that's bad, bad. But I don't think that's what he did. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Right, and he's done that before. But I think that. Um, you know, you don't want any driver doing that. I think you got to, you know, I don't think any driver should ever blow the media off. Now, he didn't, I don't think that's what happened at the end of this race. I don't think that's what he did. I guess where I'm coming from and the questions that uh, that I have are that the state of the sport is different now. And you and I have had conversations with other drivers, especially young ones, that were saying, listen, the way we've done it before, it's not exactly the way you got to do it now because the sport's different and, and there's bigger expectations for you. So with that said, should drivers, even though they're not obligated and even though he did not turn down an interview, should they be looking for opportunity. the opportunity to explain themselves on pit road about the race that people just gave their, their three hours or four hours to? Should they be willing to go do that? Because I look at you, and I, w- I would see you doing that. Yeah. I remember you, you were very courteous to the media, and you would, even if it was a bit of an inconvenience to you, if I said, hey, Dale, five minutes uh, that they're behind, you know, I, I could see you unless it was just one of those days. But, you, but for the most part, you would stay. Do drivers need to pick up a glove and play the game more now? Yeah. I think it would take NASCAR mandating a lot of drivers to do post-race. Hey, if you finish in the top ten, stop in the media center, or okay. or meet over in this particular area for media. I think Kyle was even suggesting that was. I he? think he did after yeah. the, after the race. He's like, hey, I'm open to it. If anybody wants to say this is what I'm supposed to do, get you know, set them parameters and frame it up to where I understand what my responsibility is. You know, and and the media would love that. You know, media sure. wants opportunities to, to, to talk to the drivers, and if they get great content out of it, then you know that, that helps them do their job. NASCAR could mandate that a certain amount of drivers are required after each event to, to meet at a certain location to handle any requests that may be there. That give the media a place to go and a location to go get what they want. Um, if a driver goes by there and gets cleared, he can go on home. But I don't think the drivers would be opposed to that. Yeah. You know, there's something else you said that was interesting about how you and Kyle had your past, and that's been well documented, but you guys are at a good place, and, and I know that you text him a good bit just to help you from a TV angle. Junior fans always love to hate Kyle Busch. Like, they don't even have to have a real good reason, but Kyle Busch <laughs> is a really does. hated guy. Right, everybody. Yeah. But what would you What would you tell people? Should they continue down that path? But now, now you know Kyle, I know Kyle. Would we even go so far as to want them to turn around and say, no, no, consider liking Kyle Busch? Well, Is I think he that, that type of guy? If Kyle Busch fans, in turn, have that same dislike for, for me. They do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I run into angry. Uh, really? You know, I, I run into Kyle Busch fans on social media often that don't have a very high opinion of me. What do they say? 
that why am I still in the headlines? Why are, why is Dale on <laughs> why is Dale on NBC talking about racing? He's retired. Why do I have to see this fool? <laughs> are, are you supposed to not yeah, not take another job right that's off long, in the sunset? That's right, a whole con- I mean, that's a conversation for another day. But I don't. You know, I think you – I don't know whether you go in and say, hey, man, everybody, let's give Kyle a clean slate. you got to look at his history, appreciate the adjustments that he's made as a person, and decide for yourself whether this is a guy you want to like or not. I mean, people – he still may rub people wrong, even as he – you know, even with what he's doing today. He's obviously, in my mind, when I watch him, he's trying to make some effort to say, hey, I think everybody's got me wrong. Or I've learned from the last 10, 12 years, and here's a new here's a new improved version of myself. And he's trying to at least expose that. Uh, he shares a lot. His wife shares a lot on social media about them, their personal life. And man, I mean, we've asked drivers, and we want drivers to do as much as they can on social media. And some guys do, some guys don't. Some guys you don't even hear a peep out of them unless they're at the racetrack and on you know on the scoreboard somewhere. You don't even hear about them. And Kyle is active throughout the week. And he's been, I mean, there's some goofy things that he's done on social media that his sponsors have asked him to do. And the old Kyle uh, would have flipped the bird and said, I ain't doing that. Uh, the new Kyle is saying, hey, I'm going to open myself up uh, to, yeah. to doing these things. I'm going to put myself out there. I got I to gotta respect that because it's hard to do. I, th- I just think that, you know, what you said about him opening himself up is totally true, but I don't want to see personally. I don't want to see Kyle Busch be a good guy. Yeah, because I mean, I don't a good want, guy off the track. I don't want people think he's a bad person, but I yeah. don't want to see him be a good guy because somebody's got to wear that black hat. Man. I agree. That's I, the Kyle Busch on social media after the race, uh, you know, giving the haters hell, talking smack. I don't want him. I wouldn't want him to change. No, you're uh, right. I think you're right. I I, I think yeah. that yeah. You know, I think that there'll always be that little. That little bit of him that kind of gets under your skin a little bit, and that's good. That's like I say, we don't all we don't need forty Supermans and Batmans out there racing against each other. We got to have different personalities, and we got to have villains and black hats and good guys and bad guys and blue collar and white collar. We got to have a lot of different styles and personalities out there, guys from all over the country, uh, with a little twist to each one of them, you know, and Kyle definitely brings that. And the more we see that with social media and so forth, the better it is for the sport. He's definitely, um, I don't even know if he's trying or or knows it, but he's building his brand. He's doing a better job of building his own brand and and letting people see a bit more of him outside of the car and outside of the driver's suit. That's going to help him in the long run. And he's turning that tide just a little bit from him just being a real shit to actually being a human being. He's human. Yeah, and he's gonna make er- he's gonna make errors and he's gonna have things that you don't agree with or like, but he's a human. Yeah. And I think that's good. I love the guy. I really do. And that doesn't mean that uh he doesn't annoy the crap out of me sometimes yeah. on stuff he does. But you that's guys are hundred percent right. Yeah. I don't want him to be any different. No, who and would I want a PC Kyle Bush. Really? Yeah, right. Seriously, think about right, this right does? now. If you could flick a switch and have PC yeah. Kyle Bush how less fun would cup racing it, be? If I remember correct, that whole uh, funny little thing on Reaction Theater where Mike Davis sucks, it actually started because I was defending Kyle Busch. And that's a beautiful thing because junior fans, didn't they, they didn't want to hear it. Yeah. They don't want to hear it. There's a point to where I'm even uncomfortable with 
uh, sort of praising Kyle, and I've reached it. Good. All right, can we move on? You can. <laughs> you can. Hey, man, it's yeah. all about honesty. I love it. You started it, though. <laughs> I know. I'm saying we talked about it for five minutes. That's enough. Good all job, right. Kyle. That's how much he gets. All right, moving on. <laughs> I'm going to need you to explain something to me. Qualifying Friday, 13 cars did not pass inspection. I've got to ask, is there not something more to that? Are teams literally, like, is that almost part of the strategy and is that why NASCAR made rules during the middle of the weekend, especially with the tires, like, you know, the, the whole tire thing? Like, it made me think that they were purposely not trying to get through tech so they could start on fresh tires. Am I wrong on that? You are wrong on that. No team would deliberately fail uh, tech inspection, have to start in the rear, lose 15 minutes of a critical practice time on the racetrack because they all had to they all would lose 15 minutes of the last final practice which is critical okay that advantage of new tires is only for that one run you know it's not an advantage you carry throughout the race so as a driver if you if you fail tech and don't qualify you're like yeah i don't care whatever i start on new tires that'll be fun everybody wants to come from the back with a faster race car than everybody else that's great yeah. drivers love that so as as a driver for me i i didn't mind at all i almost felt like hell yeah you Quali- like qualifying was always disappointing anyways <laughs> <clears throat> so let's just you know not have to go through that but basically i think that the teams are starting to see how far they can push the limits of the rules with this new tech inspection, and they're getting a little more aggressive. They're getting a little more comfortable to be aggressive. There's so many things that are happening when these guys are going through tech, too. They're not they're not all failing the same thing. If you fail the first time with one particular issue on your car, uh, this you know not every team goes back and fails that same problem. They may see through the process of being inspected an area where they can get more aggressive. Yeah, they fix the first fail. And then they get aggressive on something else that fails them a second time. You know, that could be happening with some teams. You really don't know who's telling the whole truth, uh, really, from either side about what's going on. I think that the crew chiefs, though, do like the new uh, system. They do like the new procedure, and it's much quicker. NASCAR is going to look at ways to trim down the tech inspection process, and we're going to see that this weekend coming up at Martinsville. The cars will not get teched until after qualifying. So you're going to show up, practice all day, and then qualify, and you have to pass this tech inspection to hold your position in qualifying. Uh, that'll be a new procedure that we haven't seen before, and we'll see how that plays out and if it's something NASCAR considers using down the road and more often in the in the series. But I just believe that teams are getting a little more comfortable with this new system that NASCAR has, and they're getting more aggressive. And with that said, when they get aggressive, sometimes they're going to fail. You just you know, don't know whether they're failing that same issue twice or they're correcting that first fail and getting more aggressive somewhere else. You really just don't know what every car has went through and what every car has experienced. But I think it's uh, not uncommon. You know, we've, we've seen, what was it, Atlanta a couple years ago half the field didn't get to qualify that's right but this week we saw where where they let the um with the sticker tires yeah you know they they let the guys that had qualified run on stickers start the race on stickers to kind of like even that up and take Take away the the advantage advantage. that's why i I, I don't know about wanting to take away that advantage like for me as a fan like sitting at home i want to see hey if if jimmy wants to start or this guy wants to start but they didn't want to no they didn't want to i didn't say they did but if they're going to i want to see him you can't be able to charge through the field. Yeah, but you can't give a guy forty horsepower just because he's in the back and you want to see. Makes it interesting. It's not fair. Makes it interesting. 
Well, he's, not, he's already at a disadvantage. He's starting 40th anyway. Not at that, not at that racetrack. What is it, 12, uh, 10 laps, 12 laps in qualifying, less on, the, on those tires? I think it makes it interesting it, seeing him climb up through. It does. I mean, invert the whole damn field if you want to damn have a circus. I wouldn't mind some of that. <laughs> no, that's not. We got, we, we're a top elite, elite level. This is how, you know, they need to run a, they can't have that crap going on. I Well, that's why I thought. I, I mean, that works really good at short tracks back you know local tracks around the house and Burton Fields is always a lot of fun it's common there it's not you know it's just something elite in our elite level we need to have some uniformity and and there needs to be some professionalism in how we do things and they got to take measured approaches to how they make adjustments I thought allowing all the teams to start on stickers was a great decision a lot of people didn't have the same opinion that made making that change in the middle of the week yeah. I thought it was a great choice in the away. middle of the weekend. So you're saying if people, if they made that decision on Tuesday, people wouldn't be fired up? People are mad because they did it in the middle of the race yeah. weekend. That's right. Yep. You know, some people didn't have a good opinion of that because they don't like changes in the middle of the week. But I think this was fair. It was just a fair change for guys that, uh, you know, didn't qualify. They had an advantage. Yeah. It should be a deterrent to miss qualifying. It should not be uh, an advantage or there should be nothing good come out of that. Right. 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 And, and so, and NASCAR's uh, went a step further before the Xfinity race, before the Xfinity race cars ever qualified. That if any of those guys failed tech, they were going to have to do a pass through when the green flag dropped on the first lap Under of the green. race. Under green? Yeah. Oh, man. That could. That's a deterrent. Right. That's enough of a deterrent. <laughs> that could be something that we see coming to the Cup Series. We'll have to keep our eyes and ears open for that one. This is a situation that we've had for several years. NASCAR's starting to make some adjustments. They did make an adjustment in the middle of the weekend. I didn't see it bother anything. I didn't think it upset any apple carts. I thought it was a good choice and uh, took away an advantage that guys didn't deserve. Um, what they'll do going forward, I you know I've heard guys say or there's an opinion there's opinions of either docking the guys that fail inspection a lap. I like the pass through idea. I think we should definitely see how that goes in the Xfinity series going forward. If that's something they adopt for that series, um, maybe that's something they bring into the Cup series in the future. I think it they should you know they should get rid of this start on your qualifying tires rule. Just get rid of it. All right? That would get rid of it. Plus it might right. make qualifying better too cuz you guys see some guys not, trying to conserve their tires yeah, through qualifying. Some guys won't even run uh make a run in that second round, you know. Right. That, that right. Some guys not, aren't even some guys some, know they can make through that first round just yeah, by running, you there know. Were, there were about six guys, I think, that didn't run in the second round because there was no point in them trying to do it because they knew they couldn't make the top 12. Yeah, that's not cool. So we save can't. your tire. Yeah. And if they weren't going to start on those tires, they would have made an attempt. Why not? What's it, what's it going to hurt? Right. right? Yeah. So I think they should, they've tried to eliminate that set of tires because throughout the entire series or the, throughout the entire year, that saves the teams a little bit of money. But I think they should get rid of that start on your qualifiers rule. Go ahead and uh, jump those qualifiers or let them practice on them qualifiers if they want to, whatever. Start on stickers for everybody at, at every race. If people's biggest problem was NASCAR creating a rule in the middle of the weekend, if they don't have that ability to do that, you damn right. I'm they're gonna... going to be exploiting and manipulating and being able to take advantage. Or I say they's the crew. Yes. The crews and the crew chiefs and those engineers will manipulate and they'll find those loopholes. Because exactly right. We are humans. Yeah. Humans find loopholes in things. Yeah. And so if you do, you cannot govern your sport, if that... you have to wait till Tuesday to do it, you're not that you're not governing the sport. Then you get 
Matthew Dillner's circus, in my opinion. He wants a circus, he's gonna get the circus. <laughs> but these guys are too smart. And I I don't like new rules all the I time. I want to end this conversation by saying that um a couple things. Less rules are better, but whatever rules you have, keep them honest with an iron fist. I believe in heavy penalties. I believe in hammering guys to keep them honest. You know, NASCAR needs to stick with the system, stay the course, allow the teams to understand these limitations and tolerances as we go forward, allow these teams to understand the consistency or inconsistency of the new system, and let the teams sort of adapt to fit into that fit into that shape, fit into that box that NASCAR has created. And uh, things will have a way of working themselves out. Just like this week and last week, we didn't talk about air guns. Soon enough, we won't talk about this conversation because the teams in NASCAR are going to sort of come to some middle ground and, and uh, move on down the road. Anything else from California that caught your attention? I think everybody's talking about the Harvick crash. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they just, you know, racing hard. Looked like yeah. hard racing to me. Harvick's trying. They they were getting more and more aggressive with side drafting each other. For whatever reason, that position was critical to both drivers. I guess Harvick didn't want to give it up. Um, Larson was not willing to, you know, let him have it. And it looked like as they got more and more aggressive and a little more bullheaded about keeping that position, the side drafting got more aggressive, and it seems that they they sort of came, had a meeting. Harvick was <laughs> coming, meeting. yeah. Harvick was coming <laughs> down nice to, to get on that quarter panel, and uh, they were just getting a little more more aggressive there. I don't think Harvick was actually trying to door him. No, and I liked I liked the fact yeah. that Harvick. I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Harvick manned up and admitted he, he caused it. it. Yeah, he owned and it. that was awesome. Yep, that's great. He did. He owned it. At first, I thought that Harvick was trying to door him. Because he's doored me oh, really? before for <laughs> racing him too hard, but he, uh, I think it was genuine, you know, genuinely he was trying to side draft him a little and got a little carried away. Hey, let's throw it to an Exalta Race Center update, and we'll be right back. This is the Exalta Race Center update. I'm Natalie Sather. Both Cup and Xfinity competed at Auto Club Speedway over the weekend. Martin Truex Jr. won his first race of the season in the Auto Club 400, ending Kevin Harvick's winning streak. Truex is now your Cup Series points leader. On Saturday, Joey Logano won the Roseanne 300 Xfinity Series race over JRM driver Justin Algar, who finished second, and right behind him, his teammate Elliot Sadler in third. Fellow Junior Motorsports drivers Tyler Raddick finished seventh and Michael Annette 18th. Junior Motorsports late models competed at North Carolina's Hickory Speedway where Josh Berry swept both of the twin 40-lap late model events to get his NASCAR Wheelin' All-American Series season off to a great start. 14-year-old Junior Motorsports driver Sam Mayer finished runner-up to his teammate in the second 40-lap event and finished eighth in the first feature. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, visit exaltacs.com. What's up? You good? Yeah, I'm just talking to my wife here. She's uh, texting me for takeout food. Oh, what are you going to get her? She wants some sushi. Sushi? Yeah, or monsoon. She can't eat sushi. You going to eat it or are you going to? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever. Dude, he, he'll never turn down sushi. I don't know, man. I don't need the raw stuff. I don't need the raw stuff. I don't think Amy's actually telling him that. I think she's asking for dinner, and he's saying that he's going to go get sushi. <laughs> no, <laughs> she said, "My, would you mind getting takeout from Monsoon before you come home? Monsoon's way up on uh, exit 30, 33. I don't never been there. I've never heard of it. Monsoon is farther away than Pisces. Pisces is where we usually, usually go, but she must want something specific from Monsoon, so that's where I'm Better going. Better get it. Hey, I'm going, buddy. Let's text her. Let's find out. What I'm texting want? her. I said, yeah. way over there? Yeah, if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's out of boy. 
I, I'm, I want to see how this ends. She sends a prayer hands emoji. Oh, that's hey. nice. You been watching okay. any basketball? I have been watching some basketball uh, for the few people that give a damn. I know one person in this room that does it. That's not true. No, no, no. Wait a second. You're already uh, and it's not you're me. Painting me in a bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I enjoy. I enjoy the heck out of the tournament. Oh, you do. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching basketball, and uh, Carolina lost. That was my favorite team, and um, that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> well, no, I have one specific problem, but it's not with the basketball. It's with the people that watch the basketball. Yeah. And and making me have to care, which it's, is this us three. We yeah. All yeah watch the basketball. I, I I just don't like hearing about everybody's brackets being busted. I don't want to hear you, about it anymore. Minute, it's my damn you, brackets toast. Did you talk about brackets? Not yet, but I didn't no, but I didn't you were, you He's were the one bringing it. this up. No, I was. You, you he was just excited up. that Alabama he, won. Alabama won its first game. We we'll give him that. No, no, can, I'm just. Can I just say that that ahead. is the worst part about the tournament? I like the brackets. Even my wife gets into That's it. Not she, what I said. I like the brackets. Okay. He don't want to hear about. I don't want to. I don't want to hear you tell me about your bracket being yeah. a dumpster fire. It is. I don't care. And to be honest with you, if it was just you doing it, I wouldn't mind. But literally, <laughs> a game plays, a team loses, and Twitter lights up about how their their yeah. brackets are dumpster fires. It's that's fun, a, that's annoying. I got a question. It's like, it's uh, like fantasy football talkers. Okay. Oh come on, that's me. So you right do here. a bracket. Yeah, I did a bracket. Okay, let me ask you: Did you vote? Did you go Alabama? So you went with your heart, or <laughs> no, did you go? I didn't. You didn't. No. Yeah, I usually go with my heart and just go with you, North Carolina. But this particular year, I didn't, and it, I thought, man, I'm going to try to do it. Who I think will win, really win, even though it's not my favorite team. And that sh- well, that's why I like doing multiple ones because, like, like work. last year, I went with my heart for 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 my heels, and they won, and I was very happy. Yeah. This year, I only did one. With the heart bracket, the rest of them I the got. Heel, no, I, I got Nova going. See, all I, right now, I could I could not give more of a shit. Well, I was just wondering right if, now about what you did last year in your bracket. I was just wondering if you go with your heart, or I think that's interesting. You go with your heart, yeah. or you go with your, your brains. <laughs> I won't ask any more questions about the brackets. Yeah, forget about no talking about bracket. By God, if we yeah. talk about bracket, Davis is going to be at pissed. Well, I, I love. I guess I'm a little surprised that I'm the only yeah. one that's annoyed. By I love that. all the upsets though. March yeah, Madness no, that's is in dude, full The effect. Golden Retrievers or whatever the heck yeah. that name yeah. team is. I don't know where they're from. I love a good Cinderella story. Underdog for sure. I do too. The Retrievers and they yeah. they actually lost last night. They oh, did. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but they were they uh, made it through one. They lost last night, but it was a one possession game with a minute left. Who are they playing? Kansas State. Kansas, Kansas State, State? Yes, Really? Right. K-State, yep. Yeah. Damn, they could have beat them. My brother-in-law's team. Well, there's still a couple uh, underdogs. Cinderella story still alive, so it'll be fun. Uh, Houston's lighting it up. Houston is? I didn't no, even know they were in. They're not in it. Uh, nope. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Did Houston really had a good college up some team. team. South Dakota. Boy, South they Dakota are, State. They are lighting it up. <laughs> yeah, Montana. Care. Montana still alive. Up. You're struggling here. No, Shubenacadie, Nova Scotia. Wait, hey. you, I don't actually think you're watching this. I think you're actually only watching your brackets. <laughs> no. That's what you're doing. Yes, it I, is. My bracket's busted, so I ain't looking at it no more. Well, if everybody's bracket's but busted, Winston maybe we got Salem a shot. Winston-Salem State is still alive, They're man. Stop already. <laughs> Isn't anything serious anymore? <laughs> Winston-Salem, stop. Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are they in it? No. What? The, I See, don't, there what you See, there we go. See, there we go. He doesn't even know. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're doing. What's the point you're trying to make? Just the Cinderella stories are good stories. But the, you're talking about teams that aren't even in the tournament. I know, because it's We're just having fun with you. Just fun. That's not fun for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> fun for us. As long as we're not talking about brackets, let's get to Did You See That? 
I've got a did you see that. All right. What was this whacked out dream you have of John C. Riley that you put on Twitter? Yeah, sometimes I, you know, I don't remember my dreams. I, you know, we all dream every night. Yeah. But I don't remember them, and when I do, and they're weird, I just got to share. It, it's just too <laughs> random. And I'm like maybe uh, getting it off, getting it off my chest. Sort of getting it off my chest makes me feel a little bit better. I've done that before. I had this one weird dream a couple years ago, and I t- I was laying in bed, and we were at Daytona actually, I think, um, for either the 500 or the July race, and I tweeted about my dream that I just had, and I just have to get it out. And Twitter's such a great place uh, because people don't know really, really how to respond to. Yeah. I didn't know how to respond to this one. What, that, what yeah. the heck, dude? I th- we were at a race, and we were at pre-race. This is in your dream. Yeah, in my dream, I'm at a race. I'm in and around the driver intro stage with the other drivers. Are you a driver at no, this point? Okay, I'm just hanging out like, hey, y'all, have a good day. <laughs> Woo, kick some ass. And John C. Riley's there, and I got to meet him. And I'm a big, big fan of John C. Riley. Uh, not uh, not only because of the obvious ones like Step Brothers and Talladega Nights, uh, but Brule's Rules is probably the best John C. Riley skits. And so, so was this uh, was was John C. Riley? John C. Riley was he was he he was Steve himself. Rule? No, he was oh, John he was C. Riley. Right. And so we were just like, oh, he, me and him hit it off. It was like, hey man, how you doing? So good to see. And we were just having such a great time because neither one of us had to run that race. All the drivers were all stressed out and they were all grumpy, and we were just standing there all. You know, just taking it in, man. We're getting ready to watch a race. And so you put it on Twitter because yep. everybody wanted to. Like, yeah, I don't know how to respond to that either because uh, it's, like, it's you, just an odd dream, Steve Brule. But, yeah. but, you know, well, is it, odd? Me, is it odd dream or is it more odd that Dale put it on Twitter? About no, man, I like that. If you want to yeah. if you want to get it out there, people want to hear that I'll, crap. Yeah, it's and, basically just a, re- a release. It's it's a relief valve because <laughs> when you have those weird dreams, isn't it, doesn't it? Suck? It messes with it you. It sucks to have it bottled up. Yeah. You got to tell someone. Yeah. Aren't you a little concerned, though, that the dream might mean something that you're not aware of it? Like, you know, don't dreams mean maybe something? Maybe he's going to have a good time with behind uh, it. Like, why would John? you even have dreamed of John C. Riley? All right. I'll tell you. Uh, I don't know. I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> I had a dream that I won the Daytona 500. And da- I remember telling this story in 2000 and I don't remember when, but I think dad was still alive. And I told somebody at Daytona, I told a bunch of media at Daytona in, in February before the 500, I think, of my rookie year. I was like, man, I had a dream that I won this race. And they were like, where was your dad? I was like, he wasn't in the race. I didn't even think about that till you asked me that question. He wasn't even in the field. Dale Jarrett runs second to me, and I never saw dad in the race. And they were like, oh, okay, whatever. And then dad, get, dad passes away and won the Daytona 500 a couple years later, and he wasn't in the race. I mean, it just, you know, things, things oh, like wait, Oh, you're saying. I foreshadowed my win in my dream. So are you foreshadowing John C. Riley meeting possibly? Probably. <laughs> like we should make this happen. We'll put I him mean, on the podcast. I'm man. more than likely gonna meet John C. Riley at some point being a fan of his. So, I'm a little shocked that you haven't. He was in a racing movie. Now, is, well, I was did, he not at the track? Yeah, I did go to Charlotte Murray Speedway when they were filming Talladega Nights, and I got to do a couple scenes with Will Ferrell and I got to sit down and talk to him a little while. I remember that. I was there. But didn't get to see John C. Riley. So is that the like that was a cool dream story? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, with Daytona 500. Is that the weirdest dream you've ever had? Because, dude, I've had some weird dreams. Whatever like, I don't know that. About y'all, I but. think the one that I had a couple years ago. Somebody will be able to bring this up and send this. Yeah. Tweet this to the Dirty Mo Media Twitter handle 
Whatever it was, I tweeted it out a couple of years ago. This weird dream that I had. I mean, I'm sure we can go back and search it and find it. But it's easier if they. If some, it's about you, Davis. Some weirdo remembers Dale's dream from two years ago. Yeah, I have gonna... random. <laughs> I have the randomest dreams, and I'm like, man, that's too good to not tell somebody. So Twitter's such an easy platform just to, you know, throw it down on, and people probably don't even think I'm telling the truth. They're probably like, what's what's is that far out there? This dude's out there. Well, I mean, he's not dreaming about his bracket, but come on, man. Davis, you got to uh, let us on the inside. You got some weird dream you've ever had? I, I don't remember my dreams. Do you really? None of them? Do you meet celebrities in your dreams? You know what? I don't think I do because I don't I don't really look at uh, meeting celebrities as a big deal. Like, I don't think I've ever asked for an autograph. Have you? Yeah. Uh, maybe a time or two. Yeah, I think. I know asked... you've asked for an autograph for, for a friend of yours. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't have an autograph of anybody's um and i've never even thought that was important you don't i have a bunch of autographs of race car drivers really Really? from the past oh okay oh man i've got it you would love i've got two booklets uh of autograph drivers from the 50s through the 70s really you would love it lee petty richard petty dale earnhardt ralph (laughs) earnhardt yeah right i've got some legit autographs i see that oh yeah I do have another. Did you see that? That it just occurred to me. Awesome. Oh, These boy. are the best ones. Did you see Matthew Dillner oh, running shit. down pit road oh. with that camera? <laughs> Son of a. So guy. Matthew Dillner, he just he just. I tweeted that. Yeah. You did you tweet it? I did. I shared it, and you, I was you, just. Dale I was Jr. trying to stay in the shadows. I didn't know on that you one. tweeted it. D- I did. I but, said uh, definitely a rule, a pit road infraction here, carrying equipment out of the box and too slow. Yes. He sends me a text. <laughs> Dale Jr. sends me a text over the weekend, and he embeds a tweet. And I'm like, what is this about? This must be another crazy NASCAR ruling or something. And it's <laughs> the, tweet, <laughs> the tweet of Dinner, who is at Myrtle Beach over Myrtle the weekend. Myrtle Beach Speedway. Woke up on Saturday morning, decided to. 6 o'clock a.m., man, get out to Myrtle Beach, work the uh, modified race for NBC Sports, and uh, and uh, be around all my old modified guys. But, dude, I had this little Osmo thing, just so the people listening to this have a little perspective. And it's like a, a steady cam, like yeah, little a little thing on a stick, cam. little gyro cam. So I'm thinking, okay, this is cool. This car's coming. I could run with the car. But I've learned if you run like pitter patter, pitter patter, pitter patter, it doesn't do anything good to the camera. The but if you run you with these long strides, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like I wasn't really running for speed. I was running for strides. And I did get in trouble by the steady official. Cam, I did get steady. The official ye- yelled at me. I bet he, he did. He said, uh, he said, you can't be running down pit road. And I said two things. I said, first of all, I'm working for NBC Sports, you know, getting these shots and stuff for the broadcast. He said, oh, oh okay. That shut him up. He said, oh, okay. And then, and, and then I said, and number two. <laughs> yeah, like that's not a good excuse. Number two, if you call that running. We both have a problem. <laughs> okay, knowing, knowing it was a NASA race official, I'm sure that he yeah. calls it running. Yeah, and I'm sure he was like, "Oh, you're right. You, you look <laughs> that like wasn't running." The there is a funny picture that Dillner oh, showed me, damn. and I know this is bad podcasting because it's a visual. But Dale, you have got to see it, and if you can get your hands on it, you should. I'll tweet text. That. I'll text it to you. Okay. It is funny. All right. um, well, I'm I'm known to share with you. You can share some as well, Mike. You just send it to me in text, and I'll. I don't you. have it. Oh, you don't? Oh no, no, he has it. Jonathan Merriman NASCAR. Uh, uh, was busting my chops, and yeah. it's pretty fun. Oh, okay. He showed it to me. Okay. But. All right, let's go to Ask Junior questions. Rock and roll. It's time for Ask Junior. I got, I got, I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. All right, Ask Junior questions. Let's get to them. Calvin Warren wants to know, uh, why is the Chevy struggling in Cup? Uh, I thought it was the same car that runs the Xfinity Series, the Camaro, uh, and in that series it kicks ass. 
All right, so it's not the same car. The body's mm-hmm. quite different. Uh, if you look at the character lines on the uh, cup car, completely different race car. It's just going to take the teams a little while to find out what makes this body work. Now, the you know the sides of the cars have a lot of great character lines that are going to visually look good, and, and you're going to look at that and go, man, that's really got to apply some performance to the car. But the nose of the car uh, probably has a lot of question marks as far as the team's really understanding how to get that car to work. Uh, the front end on the car, how to get it aerodynamically to work in their in their favor is something they're probably dealing with, trying to improve the front grip of the car. Um they're always going to be searching for speed. They'll find it in big chunks early on with this car throughout the first half of the year. We should start seeing them applying some of those things that they've learned over the next several weeks. Obviously, Martinsville is a short track. doesn't matter what kind of body you got on the car there. Uh, when we go to Texas and other places like that, maybe we'll start to see some of the advances that the Chevy teams are going to make. All right, Zoom Buck 80. So far, you've been to the Super Bowl, the Daytona 500, the Olympics. Do you have any other major sports events you're going to or would like to attend? I'd love to go to the Kentucky Derby at some point in my life. I'd love to go to a Formula One race at some point in my life. I'm sure there's a long, long list of things I could do or might uh, be able to find the time to do. Amy and uh, us having the baby is going to lock me down for a while. Probably won't do too much traveling until we start going to the booth in uh, Chicago later this year. Patrick Kinzer, I think this is an interesting question, uh, uh, especially I love history. Why is 1972 considered the modern era of NASCAR, 1972 and on? 1972 is the year that Winston came into the sport as a sponsor, and the sport organized into a uh, with a new point system. And aside from that, I don't think much changed. The cars themselves really didn't change. As far as the bodies and the chassis, the uh, rules really didn't change a whole lot. They had... A lot of different rules as far as the engine makes and so forth throughout the 70s. So there's a lot of shuffling as far as that's concerned. But Winston coming into the sport, being a becoming a major sponsor uh, for NASCAR and signaling a change in how they crown the champion through the point system. That would be what determined the modern era. All right, one last one. Uh, Vicki Vanderhorn wants to know, what is the best or craziest I can't believe I just saw that moment that you saw at the racetrack, either during racing or, you know, off the track. You know, talking about Kyle Busch, one of the ones that come to mind was when he wrecked Ron Hornady in a truck race oh, in Texas. Oh, yeah. All right. I just crazy. saw that recently for some reason. Was watch, Something was on TV where they were playing that. Uh, it's usually moments like that. When a car does something that you've never seen before, maybe it flips higher than a car's ever flipped, or uh, maybe a guy has an incredible save that's a real badass save or something like that. When Matt Kenseth, you know, wrecked Joe Logano at Martinsville. Oh, yeah. I mean, those are, those yeah. are moments, even though Matt and Joey and a lot of other people probably like to forget them, those are moments that never you never forget. I mean, it's just uncharacteristic. It's unusual and uh, dramatic and all the stuff that went down with the, the end of the Martinsville race last year. All those, you know, the oh, 11, man. the 24, and then everybody crashing across the finish line. I mean, it's just bonkers. That was, <laughs> I left there going, wow, if NASCAR could have this every week, we'd all be printing money. I mean, it's, it, it's just incredible. And hopefully we'll get a little bit of that this weekend. Well, make sure you uh, get your questions in each and every week using the hashtag AskJunior. Keep coming, bud. White flag right there. White flag. Dillner liked it better when I didn't have a script for White Flag. White flag! going... Uh, straight up into the schedule. I'm giving everyone a peek into the calendar here. And you are going back on NASCAR America. That's right. This is tonight as you hear the podcast for the first time. But uh, it's Tuesday night this week. so 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. Good point. 
You know, it just occurred to me that we hadn't even talked about NASCAR America since we last did this podcast. So you're going to go back. This will be your third time on the show. Yeah, I was on the show twice last week, and uh, we did that in Connecticut. This particular show we're going to do from Charlotte, and it's going to be a a little bit different uh, situation. We're going to have a little bit of a roundtable discussion. Should be a lot of fun. My first time filming it from Charlotte, so... Looking forward to it. I had a lot of fun last week. Thought I did pretty good. Still think I got to get rid of some of the nerves. <laughs> it's did, fun, though. I got to be myself. They want me to be podcast me. They want me to be uh, they a little do say more that. conversational, and that's just uh, that's what we keep hearing. Dale uh, Jr. comes out of the first show, and he says, how'd I do it? I'm like, well, once you loosened up after that first segment, <laughs> God almighty, you hey. looked like you were – uh, like you frozen you. stiff. Embalmed. Yeah. <laughs> embalmed. <laughs> he looked embalmed. Yeah. Well, we don't want embalmed Dale. We want podcast Dale. Yeah. <laughs> we heard water cooler Dale. Now we got podcast Dale. Dang. I know it. Um, we also got, I love that you have this on your calendar, uh, the lunch with our commissioner on the DMBL season. That's coming up. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Martinsville this weekend. You're going to go. Yeah, I'm going to Martinsville uh, Saturday. I need to, you know, I need to be in the garage and around. I, I've I've not really been to the track to to focus solely on preparing the NBC style, uh, the NBC job, the NBC part of my life. Yeah, I've never been to the track really to work on that or have anything to do with that. So I'm gonna go and and I'll link up with a tart and cruise around the garage, kind of watch what he does, get a feel for what he's trying to accomplish on that particular day in that afternoon. He's really just kind of going and networking to all the crew chiefs and drivers and con- you know, making contact with anyone he can. I'm just going to see what he's doing, why he's doing it, try to take into uh, how, the, how he uses that to his advantage. Uh, to explain that just a little bit more, drivers really appreciate the broadcasters who get down in the garage during Friday and Saturday, and they like to see the, the broadcasters in the muck. And so I'm going to try uh, to take every opportunity I can to do that and keep that relationship and connection strong between me, crew chiefs, and drivers so that I can lean on those guys during the week so they'll trust me as a broadcaster. So that's that's what I'm going to do. That's all great. You're really going to get a hot dog, right? Well, I'm taking Sean with me, and well, he's going to get the hot dogs. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have That fella hey, right there doesn't settle for just one or two. That no. guy will come back with a bag of 20. I'm going to probably have one for lunch when I get there, and I'll probably have another one on the ride home. You should get some for Amy. Amy, don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Sushi or hot dogs. Which oh, one? Come on. yeah. I don't know. How could Amy not like them? She had one. I got her to, you know, I got her, try to, I got her to try one. It's great. Sunday, Autorama autograph session in Minneapolis, this, yeah, so, Minnesota. These are awesome. Yeah, Minneapolis, uh, we've done them in, uh, she, we did it in Nebraska last week, Detroit, Chicago. We're going to Minnesota, and I don't know exactly what the venue is just yet. It'll be from 12 to 2. I'll get there right on time. We're going to sign autographs. Two o'clock. I'm I'm old. I'm going out the door. I love how you keep specifying that you're going to get on. You're going to be there on time because the, you were 15 minutes late to the first one. Yeah, and it looks like then it has affected your life. In fact, I'm I'm well, surprised your dreams aren't about that. I was 15 minutes late, which is not professional. And then the next one, it. we were 30 minutes early. You didn't know oh, yeah, about you that, did you? That. I did. Yeah. Well, so we. I'm. Oh, so you're saying you're going to be right on time? I'm going to be right. This, this, Got it. I'm going to be right on time. So I asked the first person that's standing there, the first person in line, all right, it starts at noon. I say, hey, how long have you been in line? They go, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, wow, okay, so you got here pretty early. And then once we get it to 2 o'clock and the last person's coming through, I'll say, well, when did you get in line? They'll go, two hours ago. So they got in line at, no- at noon, and they're the last person. So there's still 200 people that don't get an autograph. 
what I've been doing after the first one when they were very upset because there's 200 people that didn't get autographs. On the way up there, I sign about 400 cards oh, on wow. the plane on the way up, and I get Tony May Mayoff to hold on to about 200 of them. And at about five till two, they've got the line cut, and he'll go to the people that didn't make it and hand out some That's postcards, great. so they at least walk away with something. I know they're not getting that their is personal. Very considerate. Well, man, I don't like people uh, being upset, but we can't be there all all day long. It's been fun. We've been trying to autograph quickly, but at the same time, you know, co have conversations and meet the people and where they're from and, and talk to the kids. And it's been it's been a great experience. We've only do we're only doing four of these. We had eight opportunities to do them, but the circumstances didn't quite work out to do the other four. So we missed a couple shows, but it's been it's been fun. This is the new this is my new way of life. It's good though. I mean, listen, if you, it's getting out there, seeing fans, yeah, it is. We don't. Right? We haven't done these style autographs in so many years, where you're just your boots on the ground, talking to the fans directly. We don't really. We didn't really do hardly any of those over the last yeah. several years. Well, that's good stuff. That's it for White Flag. Um, anything else you uh, want to say to close the show, Dale? Uh, it's been a great week. I am excited about. The first real short track on the schedule, Martinsville, this short weekend. Wait, we've already raced Phoenix. No, oh, don't get, get out of here. <laughs> Break ducks. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, Everybody, it's going to be an awesome weekend. I'll be in Minnesota during the race. Minnesota. So I'll be missing out on some of the event, but no, it's going to be an exciting one. I'll tune in when I get home. All right, guys, that's it. We appreciate Exalta. We appreciate you, Dilner. Nice job. Dale, see you later, buddy. Take All care. All right. Peace out.